0: Hallelujah! God is so good. You know, when we when they were just saying that, I had a, I had just had an image in my mind, and I saw like a shoot, and I just saw like an acceleration, and the word in my heart was acceleration, like some like you, you, almost like you're being blasted out of a one of those space shoots, like like sudden acceleration. So I just I just had that on my impression. I was it, no, nobody particular in mind, but I just thought. You know, that is, there's a thing there, you know, and when when T mentioned, you know, God blesses us, and it's not all, uh, it's not often in money. In fact, very rarely is it money, you know. When God blesses you, you know, I think one of the primary ways that we get so rich in life is in relationships. When we, your relationships are the only thing you can take to heaven with you. You can take stuff to heaven. You can take people. You, know, you can't take, you know, you can't take, like they say, you U-all full of gold or whatever the case is, but, but you can take people. But, you know, how, how often can I look back on my life, and I'm sure you're the same, and you can see how a simple thing, a way maybe you served, or maybe you stepped out and did something, and, and it, that, that little step of service or that something that you did happened to connect you to a person. And that person ended up being somebody dramatic in your life or opening a door for you or whatever. Not necessarily, I'm not saying we use people, but I'm just saying that that I think that the richness of the body functioning together cannot be underestimated. And so often, I tell you what, so often listen, listen, listen to those still small voices to plug in to get involved, to do life groups or whatever it is to serve with God says, serve in a certain way, because I tell you what be, be prepared you know don 't just look in the mailbox for a check. God often works through people and he works through through other ways, but um, I just uh, you know we 're we also super blessed. I know Corin or, or team had made alluded, uh, alluded to this, but um, we're very grateful for for your giving. I know that we finished our, our, our Christmas project, took a couple months, and Mary was involved in that, and all, all of you, many of you were involved in that, and some of you were exceedingly generous in the shoebox project and in the Samaritan's Purse um, Operation Christmas Child, and we, we stretched our ourselves to a thousand boxes and, and, and some people gave a hundred boxes. Some people gave a hundred and fifty boxes. Can you believe it? It's crazy. It was like awesome. And, and uh, so we had these thousand boxes that we were able to really do this year. But so thank you for that. But one project you're going to hear more about that's actually happening is in our children's building. You know that us adults almost never see what's happening in the children's building. In that children's building, y'all, when you see the pictures, it's old. It's like Old, old. If you go into those bathrooms, the little stalls were this big, and some of those toilets with this, you, you, they are old. So we have, like, okay. We need to upgrade our children's building, so we're chipping away at it, just like we chipped away at, at the projects over here. So, um, varying people, and you'll see what, what, where we are and what we're doing. But we're excited because we're going to—we want to upgrade our children's building a whole bunch, you know. And we are so grateful for what's happening for, for all you that serve in the children's building, and many that are not even here because they're in the children's building right now. We don't underestimate what's happening in our youth and in our children, um, because they are the future, right, and they are, there's so much that we want to pour in, in this, this awesome gospel, amen, so you'll feel more, you'll, you'll hear more about it, but um, also coming up in January, and I'll tell you what, we have to start talking about January soon, because you all there's stuff happening in January, February, March next year, and April, there's things coming up the pike, and, and, um, but, but uh, January cometh, and that's our, this kickoff of our next semester of, of life groups, and, and I tell you what, man, stay connected, get connected, and soon there'll be information on the new life groups available that you can sign up for. Um, There's courses that you can do, and there's other things that you can connect, but stay connected with people. I cannot overestimate that. Let me just say this. I mean, I could literally minister a month on it, but I'm telling you, the purpose of the church has been abused. People think that church is a place you come to on a Sunday, and it ain't. The church is a place where we as believers are intended to fellowship. It is where you are able to give and we are able to fellowship with one another. And when we define what fellowship is, it's a give and take. It's a, it's a combination. You have something precious and special to offer the body. That only you can offer. And, and so, you know, it's such a, it is such a powerful thing. But, but you know what? Today, especially with this whole COVID situation, I, so much of the church world today has said, oh, well, I can just watch a message online. Yes, you can. Praise God. There is lots of good information online, and we're grateful for that. But that is not what God intended for you. He said that's why in Romans 10 it talks about the getting together of one another because it's in that fellowship of, of, of being in relationship that, it, that there is this give and take. You need a place to give, and I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about what that wonderful gift is on the, in on you. Amen. So we can talk more about that another time. But I just want to re- remind you that is the primary avenue that God is going to bless you. And you're going to grow. Yeah. Amen. Relationships. Yeah. Amen. Okay. <laughs> I know. Anyhow, but uh, weren't going to go into that. But um, before I start the new message, this uh, this message series that's on my heart, um, I just wanted to touch base because I feel I feel like last week was such an important message. If you didn't watch last week weeks, um, please go back and watch it a couple of times. The title of the message was Congruence, and um, it is a super, super, super important topic. And, and, and really, I, I mean, I can't go through everything I said, but, but what, what it, it is so important because um, what you hear, what you listen to, what you read has to stay congruent if you want to establish your heart, if you want to establish your belief system and not have a confused belief system that leaves you sort of trying to, sort of like be at a crossroads of 14 different directions and you go down one direction, you come back and you go down another direction and you're going in all these directions, you're being pulled in all these directions because you are not hearing or being exposed to or reading a congruent message. And a lot of believers are there. And so I, I went into this in detail last week, um, but it is so important for us to be able to understand what that actually means, what it is to, to filter, to be aware of, to set to a guard over our hearts, our eyes, our mouth, and say, Lord, help me to identify when I hear a, an, an incongruent message. And even what that means, because, you know, I rattled off three primary filters that we use and I said this: it's, you, you know the first filter is the names of God, because the names of God describe the character of God. God is the same yesterday, today, today and forever. He does not change as the shadow of, as a shadow of turning. So when God describes His self and his character in His names, he is Shalom, he is Rohi, the Red Shepherd, or he is God our healer, or He's our provider, or he's our victory, or he's the ever-present God. Whatever those names of God are, they describe the character person chari- of God. It's so important. It's not just a matter of, oh, I can tell you what the names of God are. Do you know that that's who he is? That's what the names of God do. Number one, the second filter is the life of Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father to Philip. In Colossians chapter 1 and in Hebrews chapter 1, it says he is the exact representation of God the Father. Precise way that God has revealed himself. If People say, well, if I could just see God. Then I, you can. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John give you four different perspectives of four different people who got to know Jesus. He is the, when you see Jesus forgiving a prostitute, what does it tell you about how God's attitude towards prostitutes are? You see? God, when, Je- when, when Jesus goes and sits down at, with Matthew or Levi at the time, the tax collector, and he, he is, or, or, or he turns water into wine for a wedding, all of those are demonstrations and pieces and pictures of the character and nature of God. In demonstration, in a physical person who walked on this planet 2,000 years ago. So, you know, when you process some of these things, it's, it's like, oh my gosh, but do we see Jesus doing that? Or do we not see Jesus doing that? Because there is so much theology that contradicts, one, the names of God, or two, the very lifestyle of Jesus. And then thirdly, and most probably importantly, it has to be filtered through the new covenant. In other words, what Jesus accomplished, listen carefully, what Jesus accomplished through his life, his death on the cross, and through going to hell with the burden of the sin of the world, and what it happens, what he had to overcome to get raised from the dead, he overcame sin, hell, death, and the grave. The devil, by the way, doesn't down there. He hasn't been to hell yet. That's a myth. And if you believe that, Show me the scripture, because he's not there. There is no scripture. One day we'll talk about the devil. He isn't down there, and he isn't the Lord of Hell. One day he's going to go to hell, and he ain't coming back. Satan and his and his, and his demons are right here on earth. <laughs> I know. I'm scratching people. Like we'll talk about him, don't worry, we'll get to him. But just I've got other more important things to talk about right now, you know. But, but I'm just saying that, that what Jesus accomplished through his death, burial, um, when he came up, when he, you know that he defeated, you know that he, listen to this. Oh, sorry, I'm not supposed to preach on this, this is not in my notes. You know that he went, you know that he took every one of your sins to hell, right? You know that, right? Every one of your sins. So when he was raised from the dead, he had the victory over every one of your sins. He had to be victorious over whatever issue you've ever had or ever will have. Jesus beat it. He had to have the victory. Then he went to the the Holy of Holies, took the blood of the new covenant, the eternal covenant, the eternal new covenant, And, of course, all of those things. So all of those, that is a super important understanding that you have to grasp and wrap your heart and understanding around. Because you have to filter everything you hear. Is that in line with the new covenant? Because when somebody says to you, and so many times, God is just judging something. God is just judging you because, hold on a second. How can God judge anybody for their sin? Jesus has already paid the price for the sin of the world, and we've gone through copious amounts of Scripture over the last years. There is so many Scriptures that we can give you. That, but, but you see, what I'm saying is that if we don't process those realities in our heart and in our mind, then those filters that we have are basically null and void. And then when we listen to something that comes through the radio or through a TV or through a book, because because we have a tendency to say, oh, well, they've got, they've got a lot of readers, or because they're popular, or whatever, I guess they must be right. Those, popularity isn't the filter, people. Popularity's never been the filter. Look at Jesus. Jesus at 120, after three years of ministry, he had 120 in the upper room. 120. The Jews at the time had plenty, the whole of Israel. Popularity, if you follow popularity or you follow people because there's a crowd behind them, be careful. Be careful. Okay, so it's just that those are super important. And so I just had to say this. In fact, there's one scripture I did not mention last week, but I like the way the King James writes this in Proverbs 19:29. Proverbs chapter 19, 27, it says this, Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causes, causeth to err from the words of knowledge. If you read it in a few different translations, it actually says you can understand it in two different ways. You can understand it, stop listening to instruction and you will err or you will, ca- you will leave the words of knowledge. But it's also saying, listen, guys, stop listening to stuff that causes you to err from knowledge. Stop it. <laughs> Amen. Just stop it. Just, just stop it. We need the Bob Newhart, right? <laughs> the Bob Newhart video, you might remember that. Anyhow, so so that was that was last week's message. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know but no, it, it's super. It's super important because I can tell you what most people have got a such a confused belief system, and because that they wonder why they do not, they cannot receive certain things from God. And if you aren't, I'm telling you, if you're not walking this this series that I that that I want to speak about. Um, that I have on my heart is is very far-reaching, and it's about the kingdom of God. And I've titled it um, a, "The Kingdom Philosophy of Life." The Kingdom Philosophy of Life. Now, yes, I've, I went ahead and and I, I've used the word philosophy, and we'll get into that a little bit over here. But 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 the word kingdom is a is a super important word for us just to pause especially in this season right because we see in Matthew 2 I think it is 2 where the, Jew, where the wise men say and come into Israel and they say who has been born king of the Jews the wise men had in the, had seen his star and they said I mean they could tell from the signs in the heavens and I don't know if you remember us watching the star of Bethlehem that's pretty amazing pretty interesting but, but, how they 've studied star astrological charts in there, and, and what what some astrology or astronomers reckon the sign of this, this all could be. but but, fake, but I mean know this that people way, way way way, way far away from Israel could tell that the king of the Jews had been born, king of the Jews I think it 's remarkable that they called him the king of the Jews, and when Jesus was crucified, it said what above his head, the king of the Jews, the king of the Jews, and in fact. His kingship is a big deal because what we see is this somebody who didn't look like a king. That's what they were expecting. They were waiting for the Messiah and they were hoping, I don't know if you've watched The Chosen, they bring this out uh, nicely in The Chosen, but it's like they were all waiting for a deliverer from Rome. Who would deliver them from Rome, from this wicked evil government and restore Israel to it? So they had a national mindset. They, they were very nationally minded. I just want to put a pin in it and say, be careful, we don't get too nationally minded. I love America, don't get me wrong, but this gospel isn't about America. It's about individuals, and I've got to, I've got to be real careful here because I know I can offend a whole bunch of people. But Jesus didn't come preaching against Caesar. Not one of the apostles, go and look at the New Testament, see what they did, see how they acted, see how they behaved towards the government. Right? That's a filter. I I encourage you, before you just swallow everything you hear from theology, go and take a filter through the New Testament and see how Jesus spoke about the government at the time. But that's what people filtered it through. And the problem with filtering something through is that you can miss what God is trying to tell you. Because you put your filter in front of you, just like a sort of a screen, and you say, I will only understand it if I can see it through this filter. So in other words, if the the Jews and many people had a problem with Jesus, why? Because they wanted to see the king of the Jews. So they did not listen to this guy that had carpentry skills. Who is he? Who, this is this is Joseph. This is Joseph's boy. He just works with wood. In fact, Isaiah said he had nothing in his appearance. Nothing in his appearance. So he wasn't particularly handsome, or whatever the case is. He was just just the guy from the flesh. The, in outwardly, what? But he talked with authority, right? We know all of this and we see this. We saw what he did and what he said. But I'm just saying the filter that they used over Jesus was this political person who was going to deliver them from Rome. And he wasn't. He wasn't. So, but he was the newborn king. And, and I, 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 when when Jesus was there, you know, Emmanuel, we get these beautiful songs, which I so love at this season. He is God Made flesh, God with us, Emmanuel, God with us, right? But, but He didn't look like God, and we know from we have the, we have the privilege being able to look back on all at these these apostles' letters and epistles who describe this, and Paul explains this how He emptied Himself, and He didn't He emptied Himself from all this 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 kingship, this godliness, and He came to Earth as a man, right? So, but here, this particularly. As a king, he is the newborn king, but they couldn't see it. When Jesus comes again, however, it'll be a different story because every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Everyone. You know, I, I love the seven letters, I love the way even Revelation starts because that Jesus that John saw there, you know, John <laughs> the Apostle. Love Jesus. Remember, he's put his head on his breast, and he was the apostle of love. And him and Jesus were good buds, right? Hey, Jesus, and he was on the Mount of Transfiguration the whole nine yards. He was, he's my chum. I know, I know Jesus, but when he, when John, the apostle John, sees Jesus in Revelations, he falls down like a man dead, because he is a totally different looking dude. He has got flames of fire in his eyes and he's got a sword out of his mouth. And he's like, that is a totally different thing of Jesus that we see. And the images of Jesus that religiosity paints is scary. It's just so inaccurate because these stained glass windows uh, and whatever, they make Jesus look like an anemic marathon runner, (laughs) you know. You know, it really is like this skinny, really, really skinny dude. And you can barely see his ribs, you know. You do realize that Black and Decker wasn't around yet, right? There wasn't reciprocating saws and chainsaws. Jesus was a carpenter. So I can bet you his hands were a lot more calloused than mine. You think? As a teen, as a young man working with wood, Chopping down trees, sawing down trees, dragging them in, working with wood, working wood down, chiseling. Do you think that he had bloodied fingers? Absolutely. Absolutely. Jesus, and I can tell you what, he was no physical pushover. He wasn't one of those guys you could blow and he'd fall over. A guy that works with wood, without power tools, ask Steve. (laughs) And he has power tools. (laughs) Anyhow, but I'm just saying, I'm saying that the, the Jesus, even of the physical nature of Jesus, is so often portrayed as this, as this anemic thing. And, and don't you think it's funny, a year ago, pushing, poking fun at the devil again. But isn't it funny that Jesus is portrayed like that in pictures, but as soon as the devil is drawn, <laughs> and then the authors write these, these books, and they, he's this big, scary, powerful being. Imagery, right? Just imagery. But we've got to be careful to filter things, right? So anyhow, so this th- the kingdom philosophy of life um, that, that I want to, to speak about is, you know, the word, I say philosophy. Let's just touch on the word philosophy for a little bit. Philosophy, some people just want to check out when you throw in the word philosophy in church, and I'm just saying Listen, the Greek word philosophy or the combination, a, co- a, a compound word, is just philo, sophos. It's just basically a lover of wisdom. That's what the word philosophy means somebody who loves wisdom. So, um, so here we, we've, over the years, I mean, you can read Cicero from the Roman times, you can you read Socrates, you can read all these these philosophers who had versions of what they think the world and how the world operates. And there's a lot of worldly wisdom. We've got lots of philosophers in today. You can go and study, quote unquote, philosophy and, and so on. But, but again, I would say, where... What are you grounded in? Do you have a clear understanding and a clear separation of the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of God? Because there is very clearly in Scripture two kinds of wisdom. Okay? And, and so this one in James 3 verse 13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it. I'm reading out the NIV here. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom so that's interesting humility comes from wisdom but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts do not boast about it or deny the truth such qu- wisdom does not come down from heaven but is earthly unspiritual and of the devil for where you have envy and selfish ambition there you find disorder and every evil practice But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. So here we see in this, it describes very clearly two kinds of wisdom. And so um, I just wanted to unpack that a little bit. Um, In in that that word, it says, first of all, that earth, that word is... um, uh, Weird. I just want to make sure I've got the. Okay, here it is. Earthly. It says that first of it says the, earth, the, the, the wisdom that does not come from heaven, but is earthly. That is just simply, um, literally, it says upon the earth, it's terrestrial, it's an earthly kind of wisdom. Then it says it's unspiritual. Just keep this scripture up here for you, for me. If you, you want, uh, for a second, um, it says "unspiritual." Here, this word "unspiritual" is literally the word. Um, well, I, I, forgive me, I It's got, um, but it says it means pertaining to the soul or the having the character and natures of the psyche or sukhi It's unspiritual. The wisdom does not come from heaven but is earthly, of terrestrial. It's unspiritual. It comes from the soulish realm. Okay. Um, it has characteristics of the suki. It means pertaining to the soul. And then it says it's demonic in the NIV. Or some, it's some say it's of the devil. It's devilish, resembling or proceeding um, demon-like from an evil spirit. Wow. Okay. Then it says this. Verse 16. For where you have envy and selfish ambition. Let's just stop there for a second. Envy. zealous. Excitement of mind, ardor, fervor of spirit. So it's talking about, uh, about having this, uh, this, uh, this f- uh, well, envy, but f- this ardor, fervent of spirit, excitement of mind. So being super aggressive, su- super eager um, um, and envious of, of things. And then it says, and selfish ambition. This word selfish ambition is erithia, a courting distinction, a desire to put oneself forward. Selfish ambition, it's, it's, I'm here, but I want to be here. Now, plain, you know, the, is, there any, is there anything wrong with advancing yourself? Absolutely not. But is there, a, is there something about wanting to get yourself ahead of everybody else for a reason? Where the Word of God tells us, and I don't have the scripture here, for, but it says that 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 we prefer one another. We advance one another. we are supposed to set others forward okay but but let 's just talk about this wisdom selfish ambition so it's a it's a desire to put one's forward it 's a partisan and factitious spirit which does not disdain low arts, so it's like it 's like it it puts it puts people down and wants to put yourself apart okay so um it says there you find envy, selfish ambition, disorder. That's pretty easy to say. Disorder, it's um, a state of disturbance, confusion, instability. Disorder, confusion. Now, just look at what's happening in the world today, people. Does that sound anything like that? Disorder, disturbance, confusion, instability. And then evil works, which, which are, are, are foulous. It's flo- flaw-y, foul, it's flowy, foul, it's ordinary, worthless, and of no account, it, it, it's, it's got, you find, so worldly wisdom has got the results of this, worldly wisdom is this pursuit, now remember, I'm, I'm just talking generally speaking, I'm zooming out for a second here, about philosophy, there is a philosophy that says, this is how you're successful. There is a philosophy that says, this is what ministry is about. There's a philosophy, there's a, there's a pursuit of what wisdom is. But which wisdom are we talking about? Because God's wisdom is completely different. Then it says, let's look at God's wisdom here. I'm going to read this out of James 3:17 uh, from the Young's Literal. But the wisdom from above, first indeed, is pure, then peaceable, gentle, easily entreated, full of kindness and good food, uncontentious and unhypocritical. So beautiful words over here, but it's pure. It, it's got, it's got, it, it, it's related to peace. It's got things, peaceable, peace loving, bringing peace with it. None of this confusion, it just brings peace. I, I heard a definition for peace the other day, and it was just like, God's peace is the ability to live above circumstances. And I thought, that's just a simple, different definition, right? Because we can and should live above circumstances. So, but it's peaceable. It's got everything. It brings peace with it. Okay. Then it says, um, uh, it's compliant, it's, it's well. I mean, well. Sorry. It says it's gentle. Then it's easily entreated. That word for easily entreated there is it's it's um, it's compliant. It's willing to obey. You know, some people say, and they use that as a character trait. They say, well, I'm t- I just don't like to take orders. I just don't like to work for anybody. I just I'm just not one of those people that works for somebody. Uh, that is not the character of God's wisdom. Because it says that we should be willing to do even menial labor. And I'm not talking about having a career in menial labor. I'm just saying it's considering yourself above and better than, and like, I don't do that kind of stuff. I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm higher than, I, I'm not going to lower myself, quote unquote. If you feel it lowers yourself to do something, or anybody, if, if, that, is, that is not the wisdom that is of Jesus. Amen so then it then it says um, uh, uncontentious it is with uh, with oh sorry um, yes, uncontentious with it's undistinguished indistinguishable, without dubiousness, ambiguity or uncertainty it 's got n- no ambiguity it's got there 's no ulterior motives what you see is what you get you don 't feel like I'm getting asked for something, but I can tell there's another there's another reason here behind it. There's, you know, you know when there's an ulterior motive, right? You sense like, okay, when's it coming, right? And 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 sadly, you know, Christians have got a bit of a reputation. How many of you are Christian businessmen? How many of you been? How many of you had people asking you for certain favors, and expecting certain benefits? Guys, that that is that is not how Christians are or to be. We should be saying, "Hey, listen, man, I've got more than enough to be able to pay you what you're worth and more." But it feels like we have got this whole thing a little bit topsy-turvy. And then finally, it says that unhypocritical. It's unfeigned or it's undisguised. Unhypocritical. Man, I think that that shows us. A very clear distinction of some of the character traits of these two kinds of wisdom. So when we talk about a philosophy, I'm talking about l- are you and I lovers of God's kind of wisdom? Are we willing to go and study this passage in James, James chapter 3, and say, you know what, Lord, am, am I pursuing your kind of wisdom? Because, of course, God's wisdom you know, and you can open Proverbs and read the first five chapters of wisdom on, on, on Proverbs, and Proverbs is called the book of wisdom. And if you see, in, in, it's, it's absolutely loaded with benefits of wisdom. Okay. So here you see, my, I'm going to try and, I, I don't, don't want to go through necessarily all of this, but in Proverbs chapter 2 verse 1, it says, My son... Now, remember, there's five chapters. I'm not going to read it all. But my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for Bitcoin treasures, okay, I added that last bit. Then you will, un- if you, it's it's talking about, it's just talking about, I wouldn't say the word, idolizing it, but it's like, if y- listen, dude, if X marks the spot and somebody handed you a genuine treasure map, how would you treat it? Seriously. I mean, if somebody gave you, hey, listen, I was walking through this, this thing and I found this old map and it looked, and then you took it to some antiquities dealer and they said, jeez, you know, this is, this is a genuine, this looks like it's dated from the 16th. it could very well be a pirate's, What? You mean X literally marks the spot? Like, I mean, now this says that if you seek for wisdom with the same passion that you would for hidden treasure, how would you go about searching for hidden treasure if you knew there was buried gold or sunken treasure or whatever the case is? What would you go to? What lengths would you go to? Would you, if, if, if the, the salvage crew was going to cost $100,000 to take you out there, and you knew exactly that what it was waiting for you there, and you literally, if you scraped everything together and you sold your children and everything else, <laughs> and and you, you got, and you only could get a tha- 100,000 dollars, would you do it? Chances are, you would. That's like the f- that pearl in the pearl of great price, or the treasure in the field, right? <laughs> but not sell, not sell the children. You wouldn't sell the children. Oh, OK. Maybe just rent them out for a while. (laughs) No, but but it says says like if you seek for it, 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 look what it's describing. It's not trying to be silly. It's saying, guys, you pursue money and treasure with that kind of zeal. It says if you pursue wisdom with that kind of zeal. And then it says this, then you will understand the fear of verse 5. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And then, for the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And then it says this, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guide you, guard you, sorry. Then in verse 13 of Proverbs 3, it says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. And nothing, 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 nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. You mean, well, hold on a second. Long life is in her right hand. And in her left hand are riches and honor; her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. There we see that word of peace, verse 23. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid of COVID or anything else. When you lie down, your sleep will be sli- sweet. One, you will have sleep, and two, it will be sweet. You will not be afraid of sudden terror. Or whatever happens in the political realm. Or the ruin of the wicked when it comes. Or the political realm, especially. <laughs> For the Lord will be your confidence and he will keep your foot from being caught. You see, w- wisdom, as a so, you know, so we, we sort of just quickly define it as, but it's, it's, practi- it's, it's, it's employing the practical wisdom of God. Do you know that God really, 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 really wants you to be blessed. But most of us don't believe that because we don't know the character of God. We don't know him as Jireh, and we don't know him as the God that wants to really, really, really bless you. Because again, immediately we're so carnal that we think, oh, well, that gives me lots of money. Mm, Not necessarily. Listen, money is great, and money is a blessing, and physical wealth is a blessing, but that's not necessarily it's talking about but God does want you to be blessed right but we this the the practical part of God's wisdom remember if we're we're talking about um, a kingdom philosophy of life so so now Jesus as going back to what Jesus Jesus the king of the Jews shows up on our on our scene on our earthly scene and man in human nature in human flesh Emmanuel God with us right that's what we celebrated this season. And, and so, if you would, if you, I don't know if I put it in my notes there, Christine, but Psalm 81, uh, verse 13, you, you know, uh, there's, this, there's this scripture over here. There It says, oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. Oh, that my people, God is saying this. Now, listen, I want you to look at verse 16, drop down two, two or three verses to verse 16. But he would feed you with the fine. It's talking about the Israelites in the desert. He would feed you with the finest of the wheat and with honey from the rock would I satisfy you. God's best for them wasn't water and manna. He would have fed them with the finest of wheat, and maybe that was, I don't know. But with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. God's desire, if you would just listen to Him, is to bless you. But you see, we've got this philosophy of the world, and we say, I don't really trust God's way of doing stuff, because this is the shortcut. This is the way. I know better. And so we choose Of the philosophies of approach that we're going to run to life. This is the way that gets me my results. Because everybody knows he who dies with the most stuff wins. Right? I think I forget that was Larry the Liquidator with Danny DeVito did a movie. He who dies with the most stuff. It's like... No. Jesus comes... Jesus comes on the scene as we know and um in in uh John three we see this. Actually let me let me before I go to John three, it's a well known very well known passage, but we see that the kingdom of God that Jesus came to give us was a very different one, right? So in in, in uh in Luke chapter 17 verse 20 we see here Um, Jesus being asked by the Pharisees, and so in verse 20 it says, Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they they say, Look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Or some translations say, within you. The kingdom of God wasn't going to come by observation, as some translations say. So you couldn't point to it and tap on it and say, this is the kingdom of God. He's going to say, that nor will they say, look, here it is, because the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And then, of course, many of you know this scripture, Romans 14, 17, Paul writing to the Romans, he says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so immediately when we even start thinking about the kingdom, what I'm trying to do here, this kingdom philosophy of life that we're trying to set, one, it's not something that you observe with your eyes. It is something that you experience in your heart, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, and a lot more to it, because you you see there's, there's... there's so many other scriptures that talk about the kingdom. Let's, let's look at uh, John 3, verse, uh, well, John 3, chapter 1, uh, sorry, verse 1. John 3, verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to see Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus, listen, it's very interesting how Jesus, he didn't ask him anything. He just told Jesus Okay, you're different. And Jesus answers him. I always think that's funny. Jesus took a statement and gave the man an answer. The guy didn't ask him a question. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he's old? You know, how can he enter a second time to his mother's womb to be born? And Jesus answered, Truly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say you must be born again. So here, it's very interesting. Jesus answers Nicodemus first. He says, listen, unless you're born again, you're not going to be able to perceive this kingdom. You're not even going to be able to see it. And then he says, unless you're born again, you won't be able to enter it. You won't be able to participate in this kingdom. Now, I know, and I am certainly here, I have often heard the kingdom of God referred to as a place like one day in the sweet by and by. When you die and you go to the pearly gates, then you're going to see. No, that's not what Jesus was talking about. When you study the kingdom, as we will, we'll pull it out. The kingdom of God is something for us to experience here and now. Now, there is a kingdom of heaven in some of the scriptures that you look about. It says that it does talk about in the kingdom, in the coming kingdom. And and you can very see contextually, it is speaking about the future, about heaven. But there is very much a kingdom of God, as we will see here, right? So, um, of course, Luke 4. Jesus is calling, and I'm, I'm just going to rattle through this. The Spirit of the Lord is with me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the, of the Lord's favor. Now, Jesus is describing his ministry over here, and that none of that was actually the physical thing. Yes, blind people will actually liberate it. But the liberty that he was speaking about was not to set the Jewish nation free from Israel. I mean, from Rome. We've already spoken about that. So Jesus comes and he says, listen, guys, this is what my calling is. The Spirit of God has anointed me or is on me to proclaim good news to the poor, etc., etc. Okay, so in in verse 43, a a few verses down, he says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well for this Uh, For I was sent for this purpose. Jesus, stay with me a second here. Jesus calls his message, not just the gospel. He calls it the good news of the kingdom. He defined it as the good news of the kingdom. Now, you may, I'm not going to pull it up for the sake of time, but in Colossians 1, there's that scripture that's so often mis- was quoted. And, and a lot of people say that, you know, a lot of people will quote verse 13 and they'll say, oh, you know what? He's delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son. Do you know that that's a misquote? In verse 13 of Colossians 1, it says that he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. Satan isn't the king. The devil isn't a king. He is a dominator. You can be dominated. And God has delivered us from the dominion of where darkness rules. And he has brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. So in so many scriptures, Mark 4, it says, Jesus went about Galilee and in the synagogues proclaiming the kingdom of God. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed. Um, Matthew 13, I'm just, I know I'm rattling them through, but Matthew 13:19 says when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Now that's the famous, one of the famous scriptures that talk about the, 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 the parable of the sower. He's talking about the word of the kingdom. The one that gets, the one that where the seed is stoned away it is like he talks about in Matthew 13 is, is literally anyone who hear, hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. That is the birds that steal the seed off the pathway. In Matthew's account, very interesting. Wow. Because some other translation, I mean, some, some of the other passages say the seed is the word of God. They just put it simply like that. Matthew writes it that way anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. Now, if you go back and look at all the parables and you see Jesus saying, the kingdom of God is like this. It's like a man who went out to this. The kingdom of God is like this. There's a man who finds a pearl. The kingdom of God, all, so many of the parables, Jesus starts and he says, the kingdom of God is like this. You see, but we we have been so um, anesthetized to the words "The kingdom of God" that we think oh what what is he even what is he even talking about? Well, that is what we need to unpack and, and, and to, to build out because uh, because it is such an important part if we want to you see the kingdom is a realm that you and I can benefit from remember i 've so often said in matthew sixteen and verse, uh, chapter sixteen, and in verse eighteen, Jesus says, "I will give you." The keys of the kingdom. There are keys to this kingdom. There are things that you and I can participate. But remember, as I said in Psalm 81 that we read, God wants us to live well. God wants us to live blessed. But if we don't choose to approach this philosophy this this way of life, we will not enjoy the benefits of the kingdom. And don't you dare blame God. Don't you dare blame God. If you are not experiencing what God says you can, then you need to pick up yourself and go to the Word of God and find out why. Because I can tell you what, God is faithful and has never changed. His word is faithful and will not change. He is the one that is the standard that we align ourselves and conform ourselves to. His word is the one that we align ourselves with. There is a philosophy, a kingdom philosophy of life, that if we align with Him, we will experience that. His way. But if if we... approach as i've said many times before if we approach this pridefully and shut we we shut ourselves off we cut ourselves off from the grace of god because if we say well i know better and this is what i'm expecting and god's going to have to apologize to me if i don't experience this or i don't get that or i you know what i prayed and i i've been and we circumstance theology well i prayed about my sickness i don't know why god's taking his time to do it you're just showing your ignorance Yeah, and and, and yeah, I mean, you're calling God a liar. You're calling God unfaithful. And and I know we do it ignorantly. And thank God He loves us. And thank God He's forgiven us. But all of these things that we that we if do the question that we have to face, whether we want to or not, is do I want to participate in the kingdom or not? Because. Thank God, and we'll never diminish heaven and what is promised for us in heaven. Thank God that we go to heaven with Jesus when we've received him. And thank God everything will be made right. Thank God. Thank the Lord. But, but you know what? We can have more. We can have it if we're willing to approach this. Amen. In verse 13 of that scripture in Mark 4, well, I mean, in that same passage or the same parable, at least, in Mark 4, verse 11, it says, And to you has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God. Let me go, sorry, let me start verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him and the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven and then in verse 13 he says and, to, and he said to them do you not understand this parable how then will you understand all parables you see he talks about a secret he calls the kingdom of god a secret why because he's trying to to, to he's, he's trying to for other people not to see it no n- no but you see if people push in when Jesus told the parables to the crowd, and, and he's talking particularly about the parable of the sower, they were like, duh, what does that mean? And then afterwards, his, his, his disciples say, okay, let, let, tell me about this. They push in. It makes you think about that one that talks about the kingdom of God is like those who, who the violent men take hold of it, right? There's an element of, of, of abandonment that say, I want that. I will take that. Because you will have to lay hold of it with both hands, so to speak. You will have to abandon. But you will have to be. Have, you'll have to be teachable to be able to say, you know, what I'm willing to let go of what I think is it and lay hold of what is the kingdom. Amen. Yeah. In verse, uh, I'll, I'll finish off here. But in Luke 18, he says to them, verse 29. Truly I say to you, there is no one that is left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. There is an abandonment that one throws one's self aside for the kingdom of God. Like, like, us, like we spoke about, in, about the wisdom in, in Proverbs where it says, will you search for it as for hidden treasure? The, the encouraging piece. This is all encouraging. Amen. Because truth, ultimately, Jesus said, if you know the truth, truth brings freedom. This is the liberty that he was talking about. This is opening blind eyes. The gospel of the kingdom opens your eyes to these things. That brings the liberty that you're experiencing. Like, pro- like, Proverbs again says, Your sleep will be sleep. It will guard your steps. It will do all of these things. If we will abandon ourselves into the way of this kingdom operates. We I, I, I believe that there is if just close your eyes for a second. If there is a are you are you willing to hear what Jesus says about the kingdom? are you willing to be an active participant in the kingdom? i tell you why I ask, because I believe that there are many that have just, and, I, and there are many people who go by the title Christian who have felt like, you know what, I, I'm just stuck in this world system. And, and, and the only piece of the kingdom that they've laid hold of is one day I will go to heaven. And that is not to be un- uh, underappreciated. But that is not what God has for you. There is a kingdom that you can lay hold of, a kingdom that operates, a kingdom that brings blessing, a kingdom that, that brings healing and everything that Jesus came to, a kingdom that brings liberty, a recovery of sight, freedom, and all these things that Jesus came to give us. So Lord, we just open our hearts to you to hear what you have to say about these things. Thank you for your kingdom, Father. Thank you for your righteousness, Lord. This morning, if you happen to have not decided to follow Jesus, then please just make that decision today. But if you hear and you know jesus what are you going to do with kingdom because i can tell you there is a cause that is so so much bigger than us there is a cause a kingdom cause that god has called us to there is a purpose that you have a role that you have to play that you uh, have an opportunity to play in his kingdom God has a spot in the place for you. A significant and powerful and productive role in his kingdom for you. He wants to first get you free. He wants to set you apart. But know that you will find ultimate satisfaction and fulfillment when you are playing the role that he created or fulfilling the role that he created for you so lord we just surrender to that and we open our hearts to hear what you have to say in jesus name amen amen this morning if you if you are one of the people that i just mentioned that that haven't received jesus please come and speak to one of our prayer our or some prayer team members over here they uh prayer ministers are are really really phenomenal and um you need somebody to agree with you, I'm telling you guys, become discontent with the status quo. If you have got anything that you know that you have become just, what's the word? You've just just accepted it because you have thought that God is going to leave you out. You have thought that you have to put by with lack. You have to put up with lack. You have to put by with defeat. You'll get by with defeat. You have to get by with sickness. I'm telling you, become discontent because that is not God's plan for you. Amen. He thank loves you, and he's going to offer this way if you will walk in it with him. Amen. Amen. We will talk more about this in coming weeks. We love you guys so very much. Corin, is there anything? Is there tea? Anything? Okay. Well, thank you for coming today. We love you guys so much. Um, we will have overflow on Wednesday, and yeah, stay tuned. I, I love Jane's little uh, thing about the loop. Basically, it's a bulletin. We have a digital bulletin anytime. You can text it again today or tomorrow if you're online. Anytime you want to, you can text the word loop or save it as a bookmark and just go to that spot on, the, on, the, um, on your browser, and you will find out what's happening. Have a great week, guys.